Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. Pebbles drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Episode number 72, we're locked, we're loaded. Actually, it's hard to say locked and loaded when it's the offseason. Seven, how are you, buddy? All right, it's, you know, no baseball for what, uh, one, two, three, four, four and a half months now? Ish. And then spring training, and then... Or did you count spring training in there? I'm counting when pitchers and catchers report, which I probably shouldn't because that doesn't really count. But yeah, yeah. So, so let's go add two months onto that. So we got six months till baseball. Yeah. And that is very sad. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, what's, what's worse? Is it the wait for, like, is it bad that we're looking at pitchers and catchers reporting? Or the fact that, like, we just don't have any... Because who knows what's going to happen in 2021, too, with, like, college baseball and all this other shit, too. Ooh, I forgot about college baseball. Because and... at least, usually, college baseball is, like, it gives you something else, like, more of a distraction. You have spring ball there. You can watch, like... I mean, if you're one of those crazies, you can watch, um, like, the Winter Leagues, if they play that on MLB Network. The Venezuelan Winter Leagues? Yeah, like, you can watch that it. shit. I love those. Those are fucking electric. I haven't, wa- I haven't sat down and watched them. But probably gonna this year. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much else going on. I mean, yeah. the what, the World Baseball Classic, R.I.P. Don't remind me. R.I.P. Um, I'm so excited for it. Yeah, so we got five to six months until we're back in the driver's seat with real baseball action. So, uh, off-season sad face indeed. Yeah, off-season sad face. Um, what we do have in terms of positive news, though, is award winners, and we do have... Uh, gold gloves and silver sluggers announced. We got gloveys and sluggies. Um, <laughs> let's just go through them. First base AL was Evan White out of Seattle. Um, we didn't call this one. No, we didn't. I uh, like you know what Evan White is such a it, it's such a fucking mayonnaise name. Yeah, I just no flair at all. Not agreed. Couldn't care more or less about how the guy actually plays, but the name is just not award-worthy for me. Agreed. On the other side, Anthony Rizzo. I'm fine with that one. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he also took home the... Tw- oh, okay, never mind. Uh, it was 2016 Platinum Glove Award winner. Also, <laughs> two Rawlings athletes. Totally weird. Oh, uh, second, second base, Cesar Hernandez of the Cleveland Indians. I was not expecting this. No, but I I don't mind it. Um, I don't really have much to say about Hernandez. I I mean he's not. It's not like he's not deserving, you know. Um, I will say, yeah, he's he's definitely deserving. Also, one of the better uh, bounce back stories of the year. That's true. Um, negative d- defensive runs saved each of the past two seasons, and then 
goes out, messes around, and had and was a plus six in DRS this year. Yeah, that's great. His first career goal glove. It's a great story. Uh, yeah, great story. Also, both Wilson athletes, so even more shock there. Very nice. Um, just to build on that storyline from last week that I dug myself in on. <laughs> yeah, now it's just going to be like, oh, Wilson, Mizuno, fucking anything else about Rowling for the rest, right? Uh, speaking of another Wilson athlete, shortstop J.P. Crawford from Seattle. So Seattle with two gold glovers here in the first uh, four positions. I think I called Crawford when we went through that. Yeah, I think you did as well. So I'm fine um, with that. I know we called the NL winner, and that was Javi Baez. Yeah, of course. Yeah, big, big, uh, big guy there. Um, third ba- base, Isaiah Kiner Falafel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did we call Falafel? I think we said it just because of the name. Like we called him the Falafel Man. Um, I mean, good news for shawarma enthusiasts everywhere. Falafel won. <laughs> So good on you guys. I, I should give him his his due credit. Uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, uh, <laughs> yeah, your AL third base Gold Glover. Nolan Arenado in the NL. Yeah, no surprise. Uh, yeah, that's end of sentence. Um, yeah, no surprises there. Both Rawlings guys at third base. Uh, I'm digging my heels in on this. Alex Gordon <laughs> in left field. Does this did this seem like a legacy award to you yeah this one did i I mean if you told me this you know even five years ago i would have said okay maybe but uh yeah i mean he's he's out of the game now they want to send him off he played for the royals they were dog shit he was with the royals his whole career it's all right let's give him one last hurrah before he goes off into the sunset which is fine i mean if you're gonna do it just do it but yeah now take him out to pasture yes um in the nl tyler o'neill called that one too yeah yeah, you did. That was a good. That was a good pick. Um, center field, Luis Robert. Did not call that. Did either of us call this? I don't think we did. I think who the fuck did we call? Um, it's gonna it's gonna bug me now. So I gotta gonna... look up the nominees now. Yeah. Um, while we do that, Trent Grisham, the NL winner. Um, nice little rebound from Grisham, who, if you remember, spent the 2019 season with Milwaukee and booted uh the biggest ground ball of yep. of the postseason and turns that around into a Cy Young. Gold glove. Uh yes, thank you. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Great uh, arm on him though. Great arm <laughs> hell of an arm on that guy. Hell of an arm on him. <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot. Uh center field oh Byron Buxton and uh Ramon Loriano. So pretty surprising the and it went to Luis Robert, but uh good on you. Yeah, I would have thought Loriano. I think both of us said Loriano. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo won a gold glove. Uh, I don't. Jonesy uh... Jonesy was so shocked at that that he had to run out of the room because he was so disgusted with Joey Gallo winning a gold glove. It just doesn't sit well with me it or doesn't. Jonesy. It's uh granted he won it over Clint Frazier and Anthony Santander. So I guess there's not much competition there when you think yeah. about it. But like even Santander who had such a good season and I mean Texas and, and Baltimore are both horrendous teams, so I understand that you have to give it to someone. And Frazier, in my estimation, is just not a good fielder at all. I don't care how much he improved he he improved like by leaps and bounds. Um, this year, but again, this isn't the most improved 
fielding award. This is, you know, the this is the Cadillac award for the best fielders at each position. So all three of the, yeah, Jonesy disagrees, but uh, all three of those guys are not, you know, what I would call gold glove caliber players. And it's, it's funny that we think of Joey Gallo as this uh, big bat. He hit a buck 81 this year. Did he? Yeah, he hit a buck 81, only hit 10 homers, 26 ribs. Oh, well, um, honestly, like, I don't know what, what it is. I never fucking weird season. Yeah, I've never really been a fan, uh, fan of Joey Gallo. I like, I just don't like how everyone wants to hop on his dick because he hits home runs. Because he's he's essentially Adam Dunn 2.0. Ooh, I love Adam Dunn. So I hate like I hate those types of of hitters. It's like fuck. Like just Adam Dunn had the most weird career and. and... I uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll see if I can find the video and I'll put if if I can I'll put the link in this episode description about how goofy of a career Adam Dunn had. You know who had a better career than Adam Dunn? Who? Matt Stairs. Ah, oh, love me some Matt Stairs. Dropping dick on a fastball. <laughs> love me some Matt Stairs. Um, Josh Naylor, twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> according to who 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 was on the call of that game? That wasn't Smoltz. No, that was um, that wasn't Darling, and was it? No, it was the ESPN crew, wasn't it? Oh, so it was Vaskersian and A Rod. Yeah, yes, it was A Rod that said it. It was A Rod that called him a young Matt Stairs, which I just fucking love. I don't disrespect Matt Stairs like that. Hey, who went five for five off you off your Yankees I guy? I know, but Matt Stairs would probably go six for six. You're probably right. And our winner was Mookie Betts. Duh. <laughs> yeah. This, I will say, probably, to me, the the best group of nominees of Mookie Betts, Charlie Blackman, and Jason Hayward. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a tough one, too. It's not just, be, you don't just take Mookie Betts because he's Mookie Betts. You gotta, like, actually look at how these guys play. And I think, I mean, Mookie Betts is better than them uh, at the end of the day, but Blackman is still a good fielder. He's getting up there in age. And Hayward had a really good bounce-back year for the Cubs. Yeah, he did. I have grown fascinated with Jason Hayward. He's an enigma. Um, yeah. His resurgence. Cause like, I feel like Jason Hayward came onto the scene in like 2010. It does feel like that. And like, you've been waiting for him to break into all-star territory for, or send, oh, he, <laughs> guess what his rookie year was? 2010? <laughs> yeah, and he was an all-star. <laughs> of course. Well, no, so the, you're right, though, because I do remember when he came up, everyone was like, this guy is the second coming of God, and... He finished second in rookie of the year voting. Um, Yeah, like, you just wait for him to, to hit superstardom, and he hasn't made an all-star game since his rookie season. So that tells you everything. He's just... He he was a, was he a flash in the pan or was he just was he way too hyped and I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's a, a steady contributor for any team you put him on. Agreed. Um, but I don't like he is never going to live up to his contract uh, that he's playing on right now. And, I mean he's won five Gold Gloves. Yeah, but I mean when you pay someone that much money, you're not paying them to save runs. You're paying them to produce runs. Like that's that, fair. That's the problem. And Hayward is just not that type of player. And he'll never live up to it, which, hey, good on him. He took the money, and he got what he wanted and what he thought he deserved at the time. So I, I have no hate towards him for cashing in the way he did. 
But if you're a Cubs fan or even a Cardinals fan or a Braves fan for that matter, you got to be looking at this like, fuck, how did this guy like take this money and just run? Homeboy got paid. He did. Um, oh, all right. Next winner, we go to catcher and another Cleveland Indian, Roberto Perez. And I don't remember if I was just being biased or if it was a legit prediction, but I liked him the whole time. No, it's, I think I agreed with you for the most part. Um, He's such a stud. Yeah, I mean... I fucking, it, I fucking love Bebo. A, a catcher... Like, my whole thing with the this catcher... Is, this is... Sorry to cut you off, but this is my guy that's going to directly... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's directly going to be a contrarian to the point you just made. He is. You're paying him whenever the Indians decide to probably not pay him. Um, he's going to get a good contract specifically for his glove. And I get different position, different strokes for different folks, mm-hmm. but he's going to get paid because of his glove. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. It's, I mean, catchers, that's a, a very unique position because not only do they have to like, so they, they are batting the lineup and I would say, you know, 90% of catchers in the big leagues are, are probably, you know, sub <clears throat> sub two fifty hitters. Uh, you're not counting them for their bat at all. They have a lot to deal with, though. They have to basically learn the whole pitching staff and how they throw, uh, relievers included, and they have to eliminate runs. Um, you know, it, it's it's probably the toughest job. And they're on their fucking they're they're in a crouch position for nine innings, and yeah. you're asking them to catch, you know, the majority of the games every week with an off day here or there after a day and night game, but. Um, I think that that position for me is just so overlooked and a good defensive catcher, a good catcher that understands the pitching staff is so, you know, underrated. And because everyone wants to find the next JT Romuto and these fucking guys that can hit. And it's just, they're, they are a dime a dozen, or I shouldn't say that they are blue chips for a reason. You don't find them very often. So to find a good catcher that prides his defense or prides himself on this defense I would take that any day of the week. And you're not going to have to pay him as much. So Yeah, very true. Um, National League, the winner was Tucker Barnhart. I believe this was my pick as well. Yeah, I think you had him. Um, I, like, I like Tucker Barnhart a lot. He gets no love. He really doesn't. doesn't. He does not. And, and he's boys with one of my favorite guys in the media right now, uh, Pat McAfee. So just doubles down my love for Tucker Barnhart. Yeah, uh, good, good young man out of the heartland. Love to see it. You really, really do. Uh, by the way, both Rawlings guys. Um, <laughs> actually, is Bebo a Rawlings guy? Barnhart's hardcore Rawlings guy. No. Bebo is a Nike and uh, all-star guy. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Funny how that works, huh? This is backfiring in the hardest way. Yeah, you just want everyone to be a Rawlings guy. Right I now. do. I want Rawlings. I want. I want my theory to be right. Uh, Griffin Canning won it. American League pitcher. I, I. I don't know enough about Griffin Canning to to make a call on him here. I don't either. And to be honest, I think the Gold Glove Award for a pitcher is just like that's. It's a fucking throwing. They, you know, there's gonna be. They have so so limited opportunities to make plays unless you're like a ground ball pitcher. And you're expecting balls to be hit back to you on a consistent basis, and maybe that's who Griffin Canning is. I couldn't tell you. I don't 
know enough about him. It's so funny. It looks like every highlight on this little 30-second snip that the uh, MLB put out to announce him winning it, it looks like they're all from two games. It looks like it was, he made a couple nice plays against Seattle, and he made, like, four ground ball plays against Oakland. <laughs> like, like, yep, that's it. <laughs> you shoved. We got our guy. <laughs> Max Freed did it in the NL. Um, his Both these guys, their first goal gloves. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, great for them. And that's that's all I have to say about that, to, to quote Forrest Gump. Uh, to the Sluggies. I mean... Do you have any predictions here? These just came out about 30 minutes ago. Uh, 17 minutes ago for those counting at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be damned if I don't see DJ LeMayhew or... I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just for the like the what? locks alone, LeMayhew, Abreu. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't I, like the NL is always tricky for me. I yeah. don't know why. Let, let's just go through them and see if anything jumps out to you. National League in the outfield: Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr. Nope, that's, that's fine. Chalk, that's chalk to me. Uh, AL outfield: Mike Trout, Teoscar Hernandez, and Eloy Herman, Hern, er, ugh, Jimenez. Looking at two names, trying to pronounce one. Um, Teoscar was a little bit of a shock for me. I guess he was, but when you think about it, all the all the big names in the American League and the outfield this year were either hurt or underperformed severely. So that's fair. Um, that's fair. That, I think it's fine. I know Hernandez had a really good year. I just I, again, it, it is kind of a shock, but it's when you take it into account of all the bullshit that happened in twenty twenty, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, first base: Freddie Freeman and Jose Abreu, NL and AL respectively. Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, second base, Donovan Solano and DJ LeMahieu. A little bit of shock for to see Solano on this. I was going to say, Solano is a little bit of a shock. Um, I don't, fuck if I know how that happened, but... Yeah. I mean, counterpoint, can you name me a second baseman in the NL that is more deserving? Um, probably not. Which also just speaks volumes of how little I... I know about the NL. Yeah. I'm trying to... I, I, my first thought was maybe Colton Wong. Oh, wow. Hit... I mean, Solano hit 326, hit three bombs, 29 ribs, uh, 828 OPS. Oh, so that's fine. You know. Yeah, I can deal with that. Former Yankee, by the way. What? Oh, yeah, that's right. You for like half a year. <laughs> 2016 to 2016. Yep. <laughs> I actually do remember him playing a couple of games. Did not hit 326. Uh, yeah, he did not. No. Uh, um, then uh, MLB.com does this really cool thing that's just great for podcasting as they go from listing the NL guy first to now the AL guy first. Uh, <laughs> so if I make a mistake, correct me, but in the NL, Fernando Tatis, in the AL, Tim Anderson. That's, yeah, that's nothing for me. Yeah. Third base, now it goes back to the NL first. Manny Machado, <laughs> Jose Ramirez. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm a little shocked that it was Jose. Yeah, I'm... And it's one of those things where I don't really have somebody I'd rather see than Jose. Because, I mean, he had 17 home runs, a 993 OPS, which I guess is higher than I expected. Um, 
But like, what did you want Mankata to do? I think when Mankata strikes out too much. Mankata hit again. Yeah. It does. It has nothing to Only, do with this. I, I'm gonna go. I go to OPS for Silver Slugger. Um, two twenty five. Hit hit two twenty five seven oh five OPS only hit six home runs so I guess he didn't really make enough of an impact. Who else is I mean Geo didn't really do he doesn't do it enough with the stick. I just am thinking of one grand slam that dug my heart out. Um, six no, homers, like eight. Rafael Devers, Devers, Devers is, yeah. He, he one oh, that I thought what about, but. Uh, what, did Vladdy Jr. not play enough third base? Maybe not. But he, I don't Scott, think he, pl- I don't think he was he great. He hit nine, hit nine homers, 262, 791 OPS. Yeah, I mean, Devers had a 793 OPS. Same, like, almost identical stats, so. Yeah, so, so I guess, I guess Jose was the right pick here. Yeah. 993 OPS for J-Ram. That is That is impressive. pretty impressive. Um, okay, so, uh, then I mentioned Machado, I... Don't see any argument there. Then again, they flip these around, and AL goes first. But Travis Darnold in the NL, Salvi Perez in the in the AL. Maybe I just don't recognize good hitting catchers enough. I thought Real Muto was like the lock for this. Yeah, I just don't. I, mean, I I don't know how. What the fuck? Salvi Perez had a 986 OPS this year. He hit 333. Had 11 homers and an OPS plus of 161. Shit. What in the shit did Salvi Perez put in his ass this year? <laughs> Real Muto, yeah. 11 homers, hit 266, 840 OPS, 123 OPS plus. Huh. Well, like, here's Damn. the other thing. Did Perez even did he catch a lot or was he DHing? Um, he DH'd a lot. Yeah, like that's mm, I don't know. I mean, good for him. I mean, he's still technically listed as a catcher, but we all see through those lies. Oh, actually, hold on a second. He didn't. He played 37 games. Less than 10 were a DH. Oh, also less than 10 at first. Okay, so take everything I just said. And threw it out the fucking window because I was wrong. Yeah, apparently. Cause I, th- I thought he, I thought he DH'd a lot too. Maybe mm. I'm thinking back to the last time he was healthy. I feel, I yeah. feel like he DH'd uh, a lot. Going back to 2018, he played uh, in 129 games, and then was catcher and DH uh, in a good amount of games as well. Hmm. Yeah, good for him. Comeback player. Like that. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, then the DH Silver Slugger for the first time in the NL is Marcelo Zuna, and then uh, Nelson Cruz in the AL, and Nelly Cruz, uh, you think? Yeah, no arguments there. And then Marcelo Zuna, I have no arguments. I think that's probably the right move. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, he's going to cash in free agency. If any oh other year, gosh, I should say. Homeboy's going to get paid. He would have cashed in any other year. He would have. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I still think he gets paid. I think. I think he's got a lot left in the tank, and I think he gets paid. Okay, fair enough. I think he's breaded up like chicken tenders. Could he could. Um, so yeah, that's that's the sluggies and the gloveys. So let's get into news now because I I delayed it as long as I could. 
Indians are apparently informing other teams that they're looking to trade Francisco Lindor before opening day 2021. <sighs> and that's all I have to say about that. Um, anyway, no. <laughs> uh, and that's the news. This sucks. This sucks. Um, it's a day I knew was coming. It's a day that I expected. What I wasn't expecting was the level of return that is has been floated out there in these rumors so far. That's fair. Um, you know, I'll play a little devil's advocate with you, though. Wouldn't you rather just find out this way instead of them just, you know, flipping them and, and figuring it out later on? Um, at least now, you're, as a fan, like I think it's the wrong move to announce it this way. For any front office, just because I think it immediately drives down the price because everyone knows he's available instead of playing that guessing game as, you know, oh, well, we can drive the price up on him because people want him. Now it's, it's almost like, you know, you want you want to get a PlayStation 5. Um, inevitably, there's going to be a sale right when it Which hits. boy, PlayStation, if you're looking to sponsor, I know a couple guys. <laughs> But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's essentially just, like, a rollback price from Walmart on Francisco Lindor. So, every team that's going to be calling now, and not to say that there's no interest. There's going to be interest. But every team is going to be calling, and they know that the Indians are trying to get rid of them. So, it's easier to play, you know, the leverage game on both ends now. Um, so, I just I don't like the way they went about it. But at least as a fan, it gives you that sense of closure, I guess, knowing that. I am okay. I am okay with this idea that they could trade him and i and i it sucks but i am okay with it i because I, I i am going back to the last time my heart was ripped out by one of my favorite players i would have rather the Cavs trade lebron the first time he was here and you get something versus he goes on national tv makes his decision and and bing bing boom and the Cavs are left at the altar no, that's fair. I think any anytime you have a marquee player um, in a small market, you know, team, it's your. I mean, everyone kind of understands that the end result is either going to be like they're not going to keep them. Let's put it that way. You know, they're not going to yeah, be able to keep them exactly unless. Uh, and it's it sucks, but at least now you know that you're going to be able to get something for him, uh, as opposed to letting him play the first few months of the season and then getting even lower a return than you would have if you just traded him now before the season started. Yeah. Um, so here's the three potential trades that I've seen floated out today, um, all by fan-sided. Um, I don't like any of them. Lindor to the Dodgers. Indians get Kybert Ruiz and Clayton Beater, two uh, top ten prospects in the Dodgers system a catcher and a right-handed pitcher, respectively. Um, I don't like either of those. Nope. And then the other one, Lindor to the Dodgers, Indians get Will Smith and Michael Bush, second baseman, who is the number four ranked prospect, uh, stuck behind Gavin Lux at second base. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like this one either. You literally have a gold glover in Roberto Perez right now, and you have pro-ready talent in Bo Naylor, um, coming up through the system. And you have a gold glover in uh, Cesar Hernandez. And you have a gold glover in Cesar Hernandez, who is 
technically a free agent right now, but I expect the Indians to bring him back. See, if I was, if I'm the Indians, I don't think it's about adding as many pieces as you can. And I feel like every GM, when they're trading, you know, marquee talents like this, they're looking to get a bunch of good players instead of a fucking horse. Like you don't need a bunch of ponies; you need a horse. So if you're going to make a deal with the Dodgers, and Francisco Lindor is on the block. Ask for Dustin May back. Like, just fucking ask. Like, just start high like that. Because I would much rather, as an Indians fan, see them grab an elite pitching prospect like that who's pro-ready. Because if you're going to give something up, because, again, the Indians don't necessarily have to trade him right now. And I think that's where their leverage comes from. Like, they don't Mm -hmm. have to. They could hold on to him for a couple months. Um, Why wouldn't you ask for May or someone of that caliber back in return? Yep. I agree. Um, and the other one is from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Indians send Lindor to Philly. They get Mick Abel, Inayel De Los Santos, and Nick Matone. Uh, right-handed pitcher, right-handed pitcher, shortstop. Yeah. Well, Abel is an, is 19, already a top 100 prospect. De Los Santos is essentially MLB-ready and a top 10 prospect. And Matone is a top 15 prospect who's only 22. I, I, I just, I to me... I'm fine if the Indians get one piece out of this. If you get one piece and it's it's a Dustin May or a a big name player or a, or a number one prospect, yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't want three eh pieces. That's the you know thing. I mean? Yeah, I mean they could all be, you know, they could be like the top ten in in the team's respective farm systems, and you're grabbing you know two or three of them back. Which on paper probably looks awesome to all the sabermetrics nerds out there that you know are going to jizz into a Kleenex after that. Um, but if I'm just if I'm looking at it from a pure, you know, talent for talent standpoint, if you're trading one of the best players in baseball, you expect to get one of the best prospects back. Just one that can exactly. help your team immediately. And the Indians are known for pitching. Add to a strength. You know, because the whole thing with them is they're not known for scoring runs anyway. Francisco Lindor was a luxury for them um, just to have some run potential. But their whole thing is eliminating runs and run prevention. So add to a strength you already have because that rotation would look very, very nasty putting Dustin May slotted in between Bieber and um, Plesak. Exactly. And, and you can still get something productive out of Carrasco for a little bit more Mm -hmm. and yeah the Indians have an abundance of pitching and I would even be willing to part with an Aaron Savali if you package him with uh, with Lindor um and then get Dustin May in return I'd be fine with that well if you do that I would I would ask for May and Seager because like yeah like there's no reason not Francisco Lindor is worth both those players potentially in a, in a different scenario and adding Savali in who's you know a, a steady contributor for a team that probably could use more pitching anyway it's a win-win I'm with you I'm with you it just makes me sad that he's not going to be that I've seen the last of him in an Indians uniform and I didn't get to see his last season in person mm. it makes me very sad he could be back and COVID could be done tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This election's over, so I, it's 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 all gone, guys. We did it. Yeah, it's uh, uh well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone knows COVID comes out after nine thirty p.m. Any, every night, anyway. So 
It was just it, like I, the amount of times, and, and this is as political as we're gonna get on here. The uh, the amount of times I saw that this is just election year bullshit, and wait till November fourth, it's gonna be gone. Well, it's the fifth, guys. Still here. Cases are still going up. <laughs> well, we also there's no we don't know who the president is. Uh, the next president, I should say, we don't know who the next president is yet. So that's fair. It's uh, fair. COVID has to wait for that to be announced officially. <laughs> so right, and everyone in Nevada, fucking pick it up, please. Like <laughs> they're gonna take their ball and go home. Fucking assholes. And that was talking politics. Yep. Um, in all seriousness, hope everybody got out to the polls. Hope everybody voted. Hope everybody uh, stays safe uh, from this horrible pandemic, which has done so much to uh, cripple our fun this year. Yeah, um, <laughs> good way of putting it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's yeah, switch gears. Uh, let's talk. Staying on that value train that we were just talking about, um, but let's go to free agent value. Obviously, teams are gonna cry poor because let's be honest the pandemic did cripple a lot of books this year. Yeah. I mean, Manfred came out and basically admitted bankruptcy like Michael Scott. Um, yeah. That was funny. So way, way to play your fucking hand. I, yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand the logic there, but yeah, I mean, these, he didn't say it here. He declared it. I, yeah. I declare bankruptcy. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> um, the problem that you're going to see is I don't think you're going to see many deals go past three or four years in these scenarios, which sucks for the players because a lot in baseball, a lot, most often or more often than not, I should say is, you know, you're not eligible for full free agency until you're around like 28, 29, in some cases, 30, 31. So you're, mm-hmm. this is, you know, your big payday moment. Um, and not to say arbitration, all that can't happen or extensions, but this is, what most players look for as like, this is my moment to cash in. This is what I worked so long for. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they, it kind of got taken away from them. And you have to hope that revenue and everything builds back steady over the next couple of years in order for them to be in a position again. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, to me, it, it's, it's frustrating um, because some of these guys, this is going to be their one chance to, to cash in. Mm-hmm. And let's say they want something long-term, and long-term for this year might be three years. And I don't know, it, it, it irritates me to think that some guys are going to miss out on their one chance to get paid and, and get security long-term. But regardless, um, let's discuss MLB Trade Rumors came out with a top 50 list of MLB free agents. We'll talk 10-1 to 1 and their uh, projected... Uh, landing spots and then we'll do a best of the rest we'll both pick one 11 through 50 um we'll start at number 10 masahiro tanaka they say he's gonna go to the yankees three years 39 million your thoughts here uh i think he goes back to the yankees i don't think it's gonna be three years i think they're probably gonna give him one uh with an option for two player or team Uh, i think they're probably in a better position to do a team option at this point yeah Um, agreed you know, listen, I like Tanaka. I, he's been good. He's a steady contributor. He's not the ace that they thought they were getting back when they signed him originally, um, which is fine. I mean, he, he might have been at that point, but he's definitely not that anymore. He's a solid three, or I should say a solid four with the potential to be a three. And on a team like the Yankees, where there's so many question marks on the rotation as it is, uh, I think this is more of a need for both for both player and team. But I don't think it's going to go past one year without the Yankees having the final say in the second year. Yep. 
Uh, number nine, Kevin Gosman. Uh, he's currently facing a qualifying offer from the Giants. One year, $18.9 million is the offer. Uh, Gosman was outstanding this year in his first year with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's, according to trade rumors, they think he accepts it. Do you think he does or does not? I think, I think he does. I think he does too. I, the qualifying offer this year is pretty remarkable con- compared to what a lot of players are going to have to settle for. Agreed. Um, and when you look at a guy like Kevin Gosman, Gosman's career has definitely not been uh, a straight and narrow path. It's been all over the place. So he might as well lock in with the money that he knows he can get. You know, twenty a $20 million payday in a recession is not a bad deal. Yep. Those checks don't bounce. No. Uh, number eight, Sir Didi. Uh, trade rumors has him going to the Reds on three years, $39 million. Um, I think, I think that that structure three years 39 million is pretty fair i think that's about what he'll get um the reds stands out as a question mark to me do you think he's gonna go back and 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 remarry there i think he goes to the reds because there was noise that he was gonna go to the reds last offseason too that was one of the key spots they kept trying to match him up with so maybe this is just revisionist history but i think as a natural fit the reds were as good as they were or as surprising as they were i should say there was always that that question mark at shortstop. Freddie Galvis was fine, um, but if you're going to win at, at a consistent level, uh, especially you know breaking up that lineup with some more lefty power, Gregorius is obviously a no a no brainer here. So I, I like him at the three years. I think the 39 mil is fair. Uh, he made 14 mil last year on a one year deal with Philly anyway. So you know getting that you know long term quote-unquote security um, will help him. I know he wanted a longer-term deal anyway, so this probably helps him. Here's my question. It comes down to two questions for me. Mm -hmm. Number one, are the Reds going to go all-in? If they go all-in, this seems like a match made in heaven, and then it's going to be contingent on Trevor Bauer, I think. I think Gregorius is a guy that, like, He's getting to the back end of his career, I feel. Yeah. He's, he's going to be 31 uh, this upcoming season. Um, I think he's going to get to a point where he wants to win, and if the Reds go all in and they, they bring back Bauer, I think Gregorius does go to the Reds. I think it's possible that he stay or he re-signs in Philly. That or maybe goes back to New York, depending on what happens with DJ LeMahieu. Mm, that's true. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors also lists the Angels as a good fit. I can see yeah. that. The Angels are, are, are sneaky, but again, I think he wants to win. I don't think he wants to just go for money. Agreed. Uh, number seven, Ha Seong Kim. They have him going to the Rangers. Five years, $40 million, million plus a $7.625 million posting fee. Um, I don't know too much about Ha Seong Kim. Um, he's the, the, the list of 25-year-old legitimate shortstops who can hit for power that have jumped from either the NPB or the KBO to Major League Baseball is, check that, it doesn't exist, at least until now. Kim is a, uniform, is a unicorn given his blend of age, power, speed, and defensive aptitude at a pre- premium position. Um, I don't see the Rangers dipping into the international pool like this. However, with them having Sinsu Chu, that does naturally lead to a hand-in-glove fit of a guy that can mentor uh, a young dude like this. I think the Rangers are a decent fit. I would probably peg the Mariners as another fit, potentially. Um, Especially for a middle infielder. 
The problem here's the, the problem with any of these foreign players coming over, and you know, they kind of admitted it. Like these types of players don't exist, and who's to say this tr- this translates to the MLB level? Yeah. Um, we've seen the same like the same thing pretty much most years. This happens. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll even put Shohei Otani into that category, and I, I know he's been injured a lot, but. I don't think Shoy Otani necessarily jumped on the scene as like an MVP player that everyone touted him to be. So, no, I don't think so. So that's why, like, I look at shit like this and I'm like, okay, like, great. They had a decent career, you know, overseas, uh, in Japan or Korea or wherever, and to just assume that they're going to repeat that on the biggest stage in the world is just—it's laughable to me. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, a hundred percent, and. Going back to your point about Shohei, he hasn't been healthy, but I think that in in and of itself is a guy not living up to his potential. Like I'm trying to think of like Greg Oden to, to to change gears. When he's healthy, yeah, he could have been good. Yeah, but he couldn't stay healthy, and 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 you know what? He's a bust because he couldn't stay healthy. And and to me, right now, Shohei's a bust. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I just can't think... The only thing going for Kim in this instance is his age. I mean, the fact that he's 25 and he has all these tools that scouts are going to fall in love with, sure. I mean, if you want to take the plunge, take it. You're still paying under value for considering what a 25-year-old guy with these types of tools, you know, bred in American baseball would probably deserve on yeah. the open market. So I understand the thought process. I think a team like the Rangers... Or the Mariners are logical fits, you know, young teams that need to make a splash for their fan base. The Rangers probably more so than the Mariners because they have that new ballpark. They're try- And if and when fans can come back, they want to be able to say, look, this is who we're trotting out. And you have to create some buzz. So I understand the fit that MLB Trade Rumors is making here, but I wouldn't discount the Mariners. I feel like the Mariners always do well, um, especially with Japanese and Korean players. He is... Or he's played in the in the KBO since he was 18, so he is a seven-year vet of the KBO. He's played in 140 games or 129 games or more six of those seasons, 140 or more three times. So he has that. I think he has the durability in terms of what we we didn't see in Shohei, and the guy can swing it. 30 homers, 109 ribs. And a 9.26 OPS. I know, I, in yeah. Past, in this past season, the question is, how does that translate to MLB? That's the whole thing, but, and and because I think even when we spoke to Joey, it was you know the KBO is it's essentially just AAA in terms of level of play. Um, I was hoping I was hoping to see that be the NPB because I, I I would trust the numbers translating from the NPB more than the KBO. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. Uh, number six, Marcus Stroman. Trade Rumors has him going to the Angels at four years, $68 million. Um, I mean, realistically, there's two good starters available. It's Stroman and Bauer. I The Angels, it makes sense, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? Because the, the Angels are going in for it, going in with it with, with Trout, Rendon, and, and this idea of a Stroman. But... I don't know. I don't see... I could see him going out to L.A. It fits him. It does. I think for the Angels, this is essentially just a sexier Dylan Bundy. 
I mean, mm. you're getting a guy that is way overhyped. You're probably paying more than what you should for a guy like this. Um, he's not a dominant pitcher at all. Uh, yeah, I don't care. I, I'm I'm so far out on Marcus Stroman. It's not. It's I, not even like th- that. He pisses me off as just a human being. It's just like he is not a dominant pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher that you know is dependable. He's he's a number three at best. And if you're paying almost 70 mil over four years for a number three, I just don't see that as a good investment. So credit credit to the Angels that they get him. That would be a very Angels like move. Yeah, it would be a very Angels like move. Um, I I don't see him going there. What do you think about a potential reunion with Toronto? I don't see that happening either. Um, I think Toronto is in a spot now where they're trying to. I think I think their pitching is isn't the problem. I think well, pitching is a problem, but I think most of it is bullpen related. <clears throat> I think what they need to do is That's get some fair. veteran leadership in terms of a bat um, to help because they're so young. I mean, you need to have a veteran presence there, and Stroman is definitely not a leader. So let's not cut ourselves there. Yeah, uh, that does bring us to number five though, because MLB trade rumors has Toronto signing at four years, sixty-eight million. DJ LeMahieu. I mean, I, I'm. I, I understand what they're what they're doing because I just kind of talked myself into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna back you. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. I see th- I see the Yankees paying to keep him. That's what I was about to say. It's the Yankee. There's no fucking way the Yankees are are letting him walk away. I don't care Agreed. if Agreed. if they go bankrupt in the process. There's no way they're letting DJ LeMahieu. And of course, a Toronto of all fucking places. No way. Yeah, I think they're gonna throw the bag at him. Uh, number four, Marcelo Zuna. Uh, they got him going to the Nationals on four years, seventy-two million. I don't see the Nationals doing this, and actually, I think Ozuna goes to an American League club here. Well, it depends what happens with the DH. In my opinion, if the DH is universal, then it widens the playing field for him to go pretty much wherever he wants. I don't like. Yeah, but I I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah, I don't either. That's a, that's a story for another show. But. Yeah, I don't either. I think it makes sense for him to go to an American League team, but then again, when when you start looking at the teams in the American League that could use him or that have a need for a bat, then you start talking about the Toronto Blue Jays again, um, or you start looking at teams like the Red Sox who potentially could could use someone. Uh, I he's a weird one to me because I, he's obviously played his whole career in the National League. It's not like he can't field. I think he's just better suited for an AL club. You can live with him as your everyday left fielder. Yeah, that's not the issue. It's but yeah, I, I like it's kind of like um, I'm trying to think of a good comp. Well, think about I'm, like Yasiel Puig years ago. Yeah, that's that's what I was I was trying to think of. Of guys that have been through Cleveland, and I was thinking Framiel Reyes, but I, I don't want Framiel Reyes as my everyday left fielder. Puig's a good one though. Yeah, he has he has some upside, but realistically, you you got him there for the stick. Yep. Number three, George Springer, and God, I hope this doesn't come tr- come true. They got him to the White Sox to the tune of five years, a hundred twenty-five million. This is another one that I see going back to where he's from. I think I think the Astros keep him. Because I think the Astros do want to keep that core together. What do you think? I think the Astros keep him. I, I just also don't like the fit with the White Sox. I, you know, I think um, the White Sox are they're similar to the Blue Jays, but a little different because I feel that a lot of their young players are already playing at the level that they thought they should or, or could be. 
at this point. I don't want. I don't think you want to. You necessarily need to add in a guy like George Springer. It's kind of redundant when you look at the way their outfield is constructed as it is. Um, their speed and power throughout. Uh, you could probably be better served using your money to get a, another pitcher or bullpen arm uh, or a few bullpen arms. I don't think Springer makes sense at all for the White Sox. Agreed. Uh, number two, JT Real Muto going to the Mets five years. 125 mil according to MLB trade rumors predictions I should say um I this is probably the one I so far I see the most likely to happen I think the Mets with new ownership need to make a splash of the big name and bringing in a guy like Real Muto could be just that yeah I think Real Muto makes the most sense uh for the Mets and Cohen has deep pockets so I don't think money's the issue at all Money is of no issue. <laughs> um, there's no issue here. Cohen's going to pay for a top free agent. Ramuto's, he fits a need for the Mets too. Um, I would hope that Jacob deGrom is in on any discussion when it comes to a catcher that they're looking to sign. I think he'd be fine with Ramuto. Um Yeah, this makes way too much sense for it not to happen. I would even say they might go higher than five years in 125 and add an extra year on as an option or something for Romuto himself. Mm -hmm. So the Mets are going to do whatever they can to be relevant. Agreed. And like I said, I think they are going to try and make a splash to to flex the new ownership. Uh, Number one, Trevor Bauer. They got him going to Los Doyers, four years, 128 mil. I don't disagree with the team. The contract, I I do. Yeah, the contract, I do. Um, I can't confirm this, but I've had conversations with some buddies of mine who have played with or know Trevor Bauer through the grapevine. Um, And there's like this informal bet that he has with his friends. Again, this is all speculation. I can't confirm this. But... If he signs a, a year longer than two years, a deal longer than two years, his friends gets to punch him in the nuts with a bit, punch him in the nuts, or hit him in the nuts with a wiffle ball bat or something like that. <laughs> he got spurred by his long term deals through arbitration, and he just did not like the idea of multi year deals. So he kind of, so apparently, he made this this bet slash agreement slash whatever so i don't see him going for four years i could see him on a two-year deal to the dodgers though i can say i i don't think he's gonna go more than one year wherever he goes um that i i want to flex or i want to say yeah but i could see a team saying we're not going to do a one-year deal for your talent you know what i mean yeah which is i mean it's fine and but again he's he's the free agent eventually he's going to have to sign and teams are going to have to realize the, the problem with Bauer is that Bauer is unlike any other free agent that we've ever seen or likely will see for a while, where he pretty much called a shot last year and the year before saying, like, I will not sign more than a one-year deal uh, whenever I can. And it comes down to the teams that are willing to say, fuck it, like, sure, we'll throw the bag at you for a year. Because Bauer's smart. He understands. He's been through arbitration. He sees how value gets taken away or gets added back. And he's in a premium position as a pitcher where it seems the market just continually rises. And he's also part of that generation of pitchers that is so dominant that the next person that signs the, the next Garrett Cole-like deal, Bauer can just go to his agent and say, I want you know that 
on a one-year or two-year deal, the next deal I sign. He's always going to be ahead of the curve that way, and I think that's how he's looking at free agency for the rest of his career. He's only 30. He definitely had probably his best year in the shortened season in 2020, mm-hmm. so the value is Agreed. there. He has all the leverage in the world. I just don't see him letting teams dictate what contract he signs. If it's, I mean, if it comes down to it, he's just not going to fucking play. Like he, I, I would not be shocked if he just didn't play. I mean, he even opened up the NPB and the KBO. Yeah, like he doesn't care. So it's it's his market. It's his world. We're just living in it, and that's what these front offices are going to figure out real quick. Yep. Uh, do you have one eleven through fifty that jumps out to you? Um. Because I got a couple, and I'm just gonna, and, and they're all former Indians, and that's why. Michael Brantley to the Braves. I don't see that happening. I think he uh, is going to re-sign with the Astros. Yeah. Um, he that was at thirteen, by the way. Um, they got Nelson Cruz going back to the Twins. Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Astros. Boy, I hope not. Um, they also have the uh, Diamondbacks, Cubs, and Phillies listed as interested. I could see him going to Arizona. I could see Arizona. Um, Brad Hand to the Astros. I could see it. I'm looking at two right now, 17 and 18. That just make no sense to me, but... What do you got? I mean, Andrelton Simmons, they're they're projecting to go to the Yankees on a one-year $12 million deal. Not to say that it's not good value for both. Um, I just don't see the natural fit there. The only way this happens is if the Yankees somehow fail to sign DJ LeMayhew, um, because then they would likely want to move Glaber back to second because he was a horror show at short. And then you get to sign Andrelton Simmons and have that side of the infield pretty much locked down with Urshela and Simmons. But I think this whole projection is, is dependent on if DJ LeMayhew does not re-sign with the Yankees, which I don't see a world where that happens. So I, I think he's, he's likely to go somewhere like the Phillies um, or even the Indians, depending on what happens with Lindor and Gregorius. So yeah, I don't, I don't see that fit off the bat. I understand the thought process there. And then Jock Peterson going to the Cardinals. Um, I See, I could see that. I don't like it. I think Peterson at this point, he's a platoon player. He's young. He, I mean, he's 20. He's not young. He's 29, but he's he needs to go to an AL team. Like, this is, yeah. this is a guy that needs an AL team. And, you know, you look at the AL, there's teams that certainly could use him. And a lefty bat, the Yankees jump out of the team that could use him. They need a lefty bat in the worst way possible. Ooh, I could see him going to the Yankees. Uh, that's a, that's a good call right there. So like that's I see that as a possibility. I see him as another fit for a team like Detroit, uh, who are just trying to add some type of power into that lineup. But again, it, it's he needs to go to the AL. I don't think he's best served in the NL because he has limited opportunities as it is. Agreed. Uh, Thirty-one, Corey Kluber. They they have him going to the Twins, one year, twelve mil. I don't think. Uh, at one, I don't think he comes back into the Central. Two, I don't think he'll get anywhere close to $12 million after a couple years of non-health. He was cleared for a full offseason. Um, I don't see Kluber at the age of 35 returning to anywhere near the form or the value that we saw him at last. Yeah, I don't think that makes sense. I think Kluber is... Honestly, he might just re-sign with the Rangers. If if I were the Rangers and I can get him on a cheap price to come back, I would take that all day. Um, Agreed. And you need to justify that trade at some point. So you might as well try. Yeah. 
Any others jump out to you? No, I think the the one that's you know a little interesting, but not crazy, is Blake Training going to the Marlins for two years and fourteen mil. Um, a couple of years ago, the guy was dominant. He was probably the best reliever in baseball. Kind of lost his way a little bit. Um, but if the Marlins Marlins are savvy enough to take a chance on this guy and let him just you know form back into the back end bullpen monster that he was two years ago, so I could see that one happening. Yeah, agreed. Um, boy, so. Uh, the, the I can't see who wrote this article. I want to quick scroll here. Oh, uh, Tim Dirks wrote this article, and I do want to just point out his notes at the bottom of, of the article. And he says, We realize that a top 50 free agents list with one set of specific team predictions will leave some fan bases dissatisfied. A few notes to keep in mind. Most teams will need will meet some needs through trades and free agents who fell short. The Indians, Orioles, Pirates, Rays, Rockies, and Royals did not end up with any of the free agents on this list. <laughs> Certainly, they might be in play for some of them, or some of the more affordable names. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Um, That's subtle with shot. this list, we try to present one possible puzzle where everything could happen. Once we start to get picks wrong, it has a ripple effect. While some teams' key needs have gone unaddressed we wouldn't recommend reading into it there are plenty of potential big names in the trade market like francisco Lindor, chris bryant and lance lynn and then lastly while we try to make spending capacity estimates for each of the 30 teams as part of this exercise those change quickly with trades non-tender decisions and unexpected payroll changes many teams will use the pandemic as a reason to slash payrolls but we don't know the details of those plans yet and that is a key thing to think about um regarding that free agents list and your team's uh, free agent thoughts, and it worries the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, because the Indians are cheap to begin with. That's how we opened it too. <laughs> so we don't know what the, the, the excuse for the front office is going to be. We lost revenue. We can't pay you. This is like take it or leave it. So we're either going to see a bunch of one, two year deals for the maximum, you know, average salary per year or whatever the term is that they use. Or we're going to see a lot of drawn-out deals for less value, which I don't think players are too keen on taking. So you're going to see the the free agent class of 2021, or I'm sorry, 2022 and 2023 potentially could be fucking stacked. Um, yeah. So that's that's another ripple effect from all this. Agreed. Um, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be just absolutely fucking bonkers. And I hope... It makes for a fun offseason. We will see. I think it's going to be a while before shoes start to drop. But I think that's going to make when the, 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 the chips start to fall, it's going to be it's going to be fast and, and heavy. Oh, yeah. All right. That wraps up episode 72. Thanks uh, to MLB Trade Rumors for the list. And uh, thanks to MLB for dropping uh, those winners on, you know, Tuesday night where nothing was happening. And then... Um, <laughs> The, the Silver Sluggers tonight, right before we recorded. So awesome there. Uh, the show is presented by The Breakdown Sports. It's also presented by SeatGeek, Thrive Fantasy, and T Public. So be sure to check out them. We haven't hit an ad read in a while. We've been trying to streamline the presentation for you. But remember our sponsors. Be sure to support them. Uh, and we thank you guys so much for that. Until next time, E7, I'm Tommy. We're out. See ya.
Thank you.